This is Bruce Friedman of Adult Site Broker, and welcome to Adult Site Broker Talk, where each week we interview one of the movers and shakers of the adult industry, and we give you a tip on buying and selling websites. This week we'll be speaking with Carl Edwards of Stiff Media. Adult Site Broker is proud to announce the launch of our new website, Adult Site Broker 3.0, at adultsitebroker.com. The look and feel of the new site is nice and up-to-date and easier to navigate. The new site also has links to our affiliate program, ASB Cash, and our new blog. Speaking of ASB Cash, we've doubled our affiliate payouts. That's right. Now when you refer sellers or buyers to us at Adult Site Broker, you're going to receive 20% of our broker commission on any and all sales that result from that referral for life. You can either place a link to us on your site or refer buyers and sellers through an email introduction. ASB Cash is the first affiliate program for an adult website brokerage. Check out asbcash.com for more details and to sign up. Now let's feature our property of the week that's for sale at Adult Site Broker. We're proud to present a -a one-of-a-kind, unique, and legendary site. It's a pro-amateur ethnic reality site founded in 2005. Members never know what to expect. With a variety of different performers from brand new amateur talents to famous porn stars, the site continues to grow and expand with no major competitors in this niche. What makes it unique is their 100% original content that has uncensored and unscripted scenes. Their video trailers are short webisodes that engage the viewers and are immensely popular online. Almost all the traffic is organic with some affiliate traffic. The site gets about 20 joins and 40 rebills a day. This iconic site is available for only $1.4 million. Now time for this week's interview. My guest today on Adult Site Broker Talk is Carl Edwards of Stiff Media. Carl, thanks for being back with us today on Adult Site Broker Talk. It's my pleasure, Bruce. It's a pleasure to have you. Now, Carl is one yes, of the it true... is. Thank you for noticing. <laughs> Carl is one of the true pioneers of the gay adult internet market from his early days as the owner and operator of Bedfellow.com to YouLoveJack.com and FootWoody.com and his most recent venture, xxxedit.com. He's been on the forefront of technology and real brand marketing. He shoots and edits his own content, manages his own affiliate programs, and codes and designs each of his sites from scratch. This hands-on approach keeps him in direct touch with his market and helps him stay one step ahead of the competition. Recently, he was vice president of LGBTQIA plus products at Dockler, the company behind Live Jasmine. Now he started Stiff Media, the first video editing and post-production company designed exclusively for the adult entertainment industry. So Carl, besides my brief description, what is <laughs> Stiff Media? <laughs> well, first of all, I've done a lot. I should hire me. I yeah, have yeah, qualifications. Yeah. I would definitely recommend you, Carl. <laughs> well, listen, Stiff Media, it, this is an extension of X Edit, um, mm-hmm. but uh, it's more of a full service bureau. So basically, we're video editing and post-production service for the adult industry in particular. Mm-hmm. My clients range in size anywhere from huge studios like Falcon and Raging Stallion to individual content producers who might have their own fan sites. Basically, anything that happens after they turn off the camera and before the content is presented to their members, that's where hmm. I step in. I would imagine in this day and age, post-production requires 
a pretty good amount of software. Yeah. Oh God. Well, it's not a, you know, it's funny. It's become simplified. Really? Uh, yeah. There, there's basically, there, there's like the big three packages that people might use. It, it mm-hmm. depends what you're doing, right? There's, there's the, your Adobe suite. You've got your right. Premiere Pro and your After mm-hmm. Effects, which is sort of an industry standard. But there's a whole fringe group now like me that are using uh, DaVinci Resolve. There's, hmm. there's options out there. So the, the real big thing is just staying on top of the hardware and the software and keeping it all balanced so that you never have any downtime. You can't have an update come in and shut you down for a week while you know, some software company works out their problems because they had to roll out an update to you. Yeah. And what's the advantage in your mind of DaVinci? DaVinci, right off the bat, um, it's free. Uh, so if you That's think That's a good of, advantage. Yeah. But it's, well, there, there's two versions. There's a free version, which is the full suite, not limited in any way. Mm-hmm. And then the the full product that you pay, I think, a couple hundred bucks for that adds a few extra special effects and a few extra codecs, hmm. but you, anyone could just download the, the software and be editing video in no time flat. Jeez. So, you know, the, the fact that you don't have to pay a monthly fee is great, especially for smaller studios uh, that don't have the ability to pay hundreds and hundreds of dollars a month for software. Uh, and the, the quality is bang on. It's pretty much what all the Hollywood studios are using for all their work now. Interesting. I, yeah. I I would imagine then it's more of an identity issue with them that people don't know them as opposed to the quality of it. Because it sounds like, I mean, I know how expensive Adobe products are, although I've never priced that particular one. I would imagine that people should be using this. Yeah. Well, you know what it was uh, is Resolve and, and DaVinci used to be only for color correction. And it mm. became the industry standard for all Hollywood productions or anyone who's doing color grading or color production. So, you know, when you see like a transformer movie and it looks orange and teal, they create that effect in DaVinci Resolve. Hmm. Uh, And what's happened is Blackmagic Design, the company who bought the software has slowly been building it out into a full fledged editing suite that has its own special effects program and Mm -hmm. its own audio editing program, everything in one package. And they've honed the product. It's at version 18 now. They've honed it to the mm-hmm. point where there's really no reason to use anything else. It's good enough. And even beyond good enough, it's so good that it's my first choice. Yeah. I noticed you didn't mention Final Cut Pro. Well, that's because you're just going to get in trouble if you mention Final Cut Pro. You can't win, right? What do you mean? Uh, at- well, Apple uh, changed Final Cut Pro when they went to version 10. They changed the entire paradigm. Uh, hmm. And basically what Apple said was, listen, editors like traditional film editors aren't our market anymore. Our market are, is content hmm. creators. Uh, so they they redesigned the entire paradigm of the editing uh, experience within Final Cut Pro to appeal to people who don't have traditional film editing experience. Interesting. And the entire editor market just basically said, forget it. And then there was it was buggy and there was all kinds of problems. And it took four or five years for them to catch up. And now it's actually working so well that a lot of people really use it, but you're paying the Apple tax for all the hardware. Yeah. And you know, you're paying I like pay 1.6. <laughs> oh yeah. 1.6, 1.7 times as much yeah. uh, to get the same kind of performance. So, you know, it's, it, I, I'm agnostic. I'm, I'm platform agnostic. Mm-hmm. I'm by computerol. I can, <laughs> I can work in anything that you put in front of me. Sure. Uh, but my preference is to work on a PC and my, and, mm. and my preference is to work in resolve because it's just so stable. That's interesting. A lot of people, prefer in fact i think most people who do that kind of work don't they prefer macs you know i think so i started out my career on a mac um mm-hmm. up until five years ago i was macintosh everything 
and I, I, I still have iPhones and everything. You can't really mm-hmm. get away from those. But once it became clear that all of my clients, you know, five years ago, all my clients wanted me to be on Premiere Pro mm-hmm. and not Final Cut. Um, right. And it, Final Cut, oddly, a little little side note here, it's like 20% faster to edit in Final Cut than mm-hmm. Premiere or Resolve. But nobody wants to use it because it's got such a bad reputation. So Uh I have to go with what my clients want. So once I realized that I didn't have to be locked into the Mac platform, then I was free to sort of build a super uh, editing station and just work on whatever software was needed for whatever job I was working on. Yeah, but for their purposes, I'm sure going to creators is probably going to make them a lot more money. It's really worked out great for them. Mm -hmm. Basically, all the people on YouTube... Uh, that are just making these 10 minute videos, they're all on Final Cut. And it's in there's a whole community that's built up around it again. It's just a different beast, though. Yeah, well, uh, Apple didn't become the largest company in the world by being stupid now, did they? Well, you know what? <laughs> I, guess, I guess you really can't argue with that. <laughs> <laughs> so you said, although they're very frustrating at times, being someone who's locked into the Apple ecosystem. Mac, iPad, iPhone, oh, Apple TV. You know, I got it all, baby. But the, everyone complains about Apple and they say, oh, you're just, you're locked into their system. You have to do everything their way if you're on a Mac. Yeah. Have you used a Windows PC lately? It's exactly the same way. Sure. You try sure. and get rid of Microsoft OneDrive. You just yeah. can't. It's built into everything. There's no way to get like, it. Everyone does that. Yep. And it, Mac gets an unfair rap um, yeah, I agree. because they have this, this uh, luxury brand identity, which, I don't think they deserve that. You know, if you're <laughs> if you're building stuff like you know Mac Pros that are fifty, sixty thousand dollars, but you look at the components, it's expensive, but it's not overpriced. It's just what that stuff costs, right? Yeah, yeah, so, absolutely. So now um, you said that Stiff Media is a video editing and post production service uh, yep. that specializes in the adult industry. Now I know what editing is, but um, editing I should have said editing <laughs> instead of aing. <laughs> But, said, I, uh, it's early in the morning here. <laughs> but what's post production exactly? Give me some, uh, you know, give me the details there. Yeah, well, but it's pretty easy. Post production is, is really anything that needs to be done to video content after the cameras are turned off, uh, and it, it actually includes editing. But mm-hmm. I separate the term out editing because I don't know if everyone, if my audience knows what post production means. So video mm-hmm. editing people know, but True. you know, if you want to gang it all together it would be color correction resizing reframing for social media mm-hmm. special effects compositing anything that you do to put the finishing touches on a video it basically post-production means when the production is stopped and you have to prep the the video content for display that's where i step in hmm. how long does it usually take to do post-production on a scene Oh, you know, I, I can only tell you, it, this is like an interview question, right? Uh, like, I'm, like, I'm interviewing for a job and they're like, right. what makes you the right candidate? Uh-huh. I need more information. Like every scene is different yeah. uh, and every producer is different. But typically it takes me about three times as long as the amount of footage that I'm given. Yeah, so if kinda, somebody shoots. It kind of reminds me, it kind of reminds me of editing uh, this interview. This is going to take me two or three times the yeah. amount of time that we did the interview. Because you have to do it in real time. Yes. And if somebody gives me three hours of footage and there's two cameras, that's six hours of footage. Yep. You, it, it starts adding up. So by the time you synchronize everything and, and get all the get all the cameras switching back and forth, you know, it takes it takes a few hours to pull it together. But I have an advantage that I've been doing this a long time, so I'm fast. 
I, I don't waste any time. Uh, so mm-hmm. it's not, it's not like I'm, I'm sitting around twiddling my thumbs waiting for stuff to render, but realistically, you know, if you're, if you're coming for, if you're coming to do a video job with me and you've got two hours of footage, you can count on the edit taking about six hours to complete. Wow. That's a long time. And are you doing mainstream as well? Uh, yes, I am. Uh, but not through the stiff media brand. Um, sure. there's another brand Kest media, which is hmm. basically, you know, the non adult version of stiff media. Uh, Kess, of course, standing for Carl Edwards, a superstar. Thank you very much. Oh, yeah, I, I would have assumed that. Um, so you, you mentioned, <laughs> like, yes, so what sad. the hell is he talking about? So I was thinking about that. You know, it's a funny story because when I got her, to, I, I studied photography in university. And when I got her mm-hmm. to school, I went to the business office here in Toronto to get my, to set up a company. And the lady behind the counter said, well, you'll need a name. And I'm like, well, I, did, I, did, I wasn't prepared. What should I do? And she said, it should be your name separated by a comma with what you do. So on the spot, I came up with Carl Edwards, comma, a superstar. I love it. <laughs> and I thought I was so smart. And then I would go to art directors with my portfolio and give them the card that says Carl Edwards, superstar. And they would tear up my business card and slip it back in the portfolio and hand it back to me on like without looking at it. <laughs> I was like, oh, Jesus. So I had to shorten it to KES just to soften the blow of my own That's hilarious. Uh, lunacy. Yeah, I know. It's just so stupid. That's what you get when you're 20 years old, right? Oh, yes. We all make our mistakes. We all make our (laughs) mistakes. So now you mentioned special effects. What exactly does that involve and how does it relate to adult? To be honest, I've done productions that require explosions and laser beams. That's Hmm. part of it. Yeah. Uh, But in practical terms, special effects could simply mean motion tracking and blurring someone's face or Hmm. taking a tattoo or or pixelating a tattoo. Hmm. Uh, It could be replacing a phone or computer screen to match the story that's being presented in the video. Maybe removing the shadow of a drone on a long establishing shot or turning Mm -hmm. day to night. There's a ton of things that fall under special effects. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's more than just blowing things up, but I'll I'll put explosions in anything you want. Don't you worry. Well, you can put an explosion in this podcast. (laughs) Well, you know what? We'll have to talk. We'll have to talk about my rates. (laughs) (laughs) So how many people do what you do exclusive to the adult industry? I I, I mean, I've... come across other editors, but I don't get the impression there's a lot. No. And I've come across other editors too. And and a lot of uh, studios have their in-house editors. Uh, You know, if if you're knocking on doors being like, hey, I'm from Stiff Media. I do editing, blah, blah, blah. The first thing anyone's ever going to say is, oh, we already have an editor. Yeah. Like, like, you know, like you're trying to come up with the next great idea for a gadget to sell on TV. And someone's like, oh, it's called a fork. I already have one. what you, but uh, you know they're out there. But in terms of full service bureaus like Stiff Media, I believe I'm the only one uh, wow. that's actually marketing my services on a wide scale to the adult industry. I've come across a couple of individuals that are sort of freelancing, mm-hmm. uh, but in terms of like the full kit and caboodle that I'm doing with the top to bottom post production services, I think Stiff Media is it right now. Good. Okay. So, how long have you been an editor? And how would you rate your talent as one from when you got started to today? Oh, well, I've been doing this. I mean, I used to edit all my own content back in the Bedfellow days mm-hmm. uh, when, you know, when it was impossible to even capture digital video. Uh, so I, I've been doing editing myself for 30 years, my own mainstream products, uh, 
Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I've been doing it for 20 plus years. Right. And, you know, I think it, being an editor is a funny thing, Bruce. It's not, like, it's not knowing how to use a program. Anyone could learn how to use a program, but there's sure. skills involved in editing that involve the control of timing and pace and, and creating a sense of energy and, and helping a story be portrayed in the, in the right way mm-hmm. that is difficult to learn. And I've kind of had the knack of that for well over 10 years now. Yeah. Uh, so I would say, I would say in terms of editing, I'm at the top of my game, whatever mm-hmm. anyone gives, gives me, I can actually, you know, editing is funny. It's, it's a problem solving game. It, it's basically, you never have the footage that you need to tell the story correctly. Yeah. So it's all about reasoning your way through the stuff that you do have and mm-hmm. making it look like you had everything that you were supposed to have from the start. And it can be super frustrating, but when it actually works out, it's like doing the hard Sudoku on, on the New York Times. You're like, hmm. oh, wow, I actually did that. <laughs> a, I feel really good about myself. Yeah, I would imagine the there's a discrepancy between quality of shooting between different clients. Oh, yeah. It's funny. Uh, I always say that, that no one should uh, be allowed to shoot anything until they've edited content for at least two years. That's a good point. Uh, because you, th- there's a saying in the industry of shooting for the edit, and it's giving your editor enough tools so that he can hide the mistakes, number one, but number two, actually convey the story in the way that you wanted to. And I think a lot of producers get hung up in not understanding how the editing process works, mm-hmm. and then they try to shoot everything at once. So yeah. you know they might be doing a close-up of, whatever glistening insertion uh, happened to be going on and then think, Oh, I'm going to, I'm going to pan my camera up and get a picture of their face now. And then halfway up to the face, something happens in the down there area. So they whip the camera back and it's just this whole frenetic thing where, you know, you could just have two cameras running and not really have to worry about that. And if you understood the editing process, you'd know that your editor can actually cover your movement. And if something important happens, you'll still have it that there's no need to panic that you can just relax and let the story be told. Uh, let the actual action speak for itself rather than some overt camera movement that you think adds a stylish flair yeah. that usually just gets in the way. So I, I think that that's just, you know, that's me as an editor. If mm-hmm. you talk to any editor in the world, they'll all have the exact same complaint. No one shoots the right way. No yeah. one gives me the right footage. Oh, yeah. <laughs> all I have to do is fix mistakes, right? Well, yeah. I mean, you're there to cover their mistakes. Yeah, absolutely. And not get credit for it. Of course. Um, <laughs> that's the funny part if i do my job properly the producers will never know that i did my job properly yeah. uh and that's you know that's why you have to have an ego like i have <laughs> to get through exactly this. well it's like a it's like a, an, an umpire or a referee in a, a sporting event yeah. he, if you don't notice them they're probably doing their job well absolutely yeah absolutely and it's funny because you see you know you see the oscars in the best editing category and it's kind of like I'm sure every every editor in the world just laughs at that because if if you do your job properly, no one should notice it. True, it should be nothing to get an award for, right? No, you make a point. You definitely make a point. So you've run websites and shot your own content for the past twenty years or so. What yeah. is it about editing that interests you? Uh, you, you know, it's. Do you want the joke answer or the? 
answer. Yeah, both would be both would be well, great because I love your well, jokes. Go ahead. The, well, the, the joke answer is, you know, with editing, I get to sit in the dark and nobody bugs me. <laughs> just Perfect. Sit here. I you, do know, my you, job. you know, you said something like that off mic. <laughs> it's true. I did. Well, you know, you know, I'm really telling. So maybe the truth so. There. Maybe it's not a joke. It's not a joke. It's not a joke. I, I make decisions that affect other people's lives. Right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> just like, it's all fine. Alone uh, and in the dark. <laughs> alone and in the dark and I'm not touching anything including myself there you uh, go. but the reality is there it, it's you know there's there's creative potential in problem solving and, and I, I I I I have to keep harkening harkening back to that it's re- you really get a charge out of fixing a scene and getting a scene together properly and having it be complete and good there's a sense of satisfaction that's really hard to describe. I mean, I'm working with computers. I'm working in a creative visual field. Right. Uh, I'm also interfacing with a lot of, you know, smaller producers now and yes. helping them with their production process and consulting with them and helping them make the scenes even better. Uh, and, you know, it, it feels like I'm, it's weird because I'm doing porn, I'm editing porn, right? But it feels like I'm contributing to society in some way. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like I'm actually helping... Sense the world come together in some very, very small way. So become, become uh, is just spelled differently. What? You didn't do that. Did you? I did. <laughs> you did. Oh no. <laughs> Had to go there. What are we, we going to do with you? <laughs> I don't know. I, I've been, I've been corrupted in this industry for way too long, Carl. You, you and me and both, me. right? You yep. and me both. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so who's your target audience studios or in independent, I can say independent producers and yeah. why? Well, you know, it's a mix. I've got studio clients with big budgets and huge productions, but I'm seeing more and more individual producers as time goes on. Mm-hmm. I, I love the ability. I love the stability that a studio can bring. Like if, if a studio wants to send me four or five scenes a month and have me just do everything, that's great. More than happy to do that. Mm-hmm. Um, but the individual producers, there's more interesting things happening in that landscape. Mm-hmm. Uh, as everyone is sort of creatively expanding their own possibilities at the same time. And they're doing really progressive things and pushing the boundaries of the medium. Uh, and they're people that you can work with, right? Uh, so sure. a big part of what I do, I've, I've said this before, I do consulting on productions as well and, and letting <laughs> these folks, letting these producers know all the little tricks that make all the difference that can really make, uh, really make a scene shine, you know? That's awesome. Um, yeah, so I, I really enjoy working with individual producers, but I'm not going to ever turn down a studio job because oh, sure. uh, you know if you it, it's just a whole different ball of wax. So sure, uh, I'll do it all. I'll do it all. So you know, so I would think actually that that consulting can be very very valuable to a company because it's going to help them shoot, so people like yourself can do a good job of editing. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and you know, it's funny, like even little things like the 180 degree rule, right? Mm-hmm. In, in filmmaking, there's a rule that the camera shouldn't cross the 180 degree line hmm. of your subjects. So if you have a, a subject on the left and a subject on the right, the subject on the left should always be on the left of the screen and the subject on the right should always be on the right. That's, also, so called times, rever- that's also called reversing the vector, right? Reversing the vector, but it's how many times you'll I went see to producers. Broad, I went to broadcasting school, right? You'll see producers come around the opposite side with their with their B cam, and suddenly the person on the left's on the right, and it's like, well, there's nothing I can do with that. So I end up <laughs> flipping the screen, but then sometimes text is backwards, and it's just like, like little things like that. Uh, and you know, you try and tell that to a larger studio, and they're like, oh, I know how to shoot, and I'm like, you're right. 
and whatever you, however you want to do it is fine. But hmm. uh, if you say that to a smaller producer, like, oh, wait, I didn't know that. That's really great. Tell me more. Uh, and you can sort of create a dialogue with them and mm-hmm. work with them to make the products better. Like, I don't yeah. think that I, I can't take credit for what these people are doing because they're on the front lines with their fingers in the mud figuratively. <laughs> uh, but, you know, I can give them my perspective as an editor and be like, hey, here's, you know, you're, you're doing a three cam shoot but all three cameras are within six inches of each other and from the same angle. If you spread those out, then you'll have a little bit more of an interesting thing. And they're like, Oh wow, that's interesting. Okay. <laughs> and they come back and then the next scene is even better. And it's just like, yeah. you know, there, there's, it, it really feels great to, to collaborate with people on that level mm-hmm. uh, to help just sure. make everything look better. I would, what, what percentage of your time are you spending consulting and what percentage are you spending on post-production? You know, it's very, it's very small. It depends on the clients, right? I'm finding that the the individual producers, like the independent producers, the fan site operators, are very interested in hearing tips and things. But right. you know, it only takes me two seconds to say, "Hey, spread your cameras out and do one medium, one wide, and one close." It's true. And I will edit them together. You don't have to worry about every shot. And that takes five seconds, as opposed to the six hours it's going to take me to actually edit the footage. Yeah. Uh, so it's part. It's just sort of a, 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 an undercurrent to everything I do. Is is giving feedback and talking to producers and, and understanding if they want my input or not. Right. Sometimes yeah, guys, of course, I, I say guys, people right. want to do it the way they're doing it. So you have to respect that, of course. Yeah. And you got to be careful because their egos are involved. Yeah. Well, wait till they get a load on me. Right. <laughs> so <laughs> you just mentioned fan sites. That's obviously yep. the new reality in adult. How can you help content creators that run their own fan site? Oh, well, I'll tell you, number one, um, having a good editor and this fan site or, or even big studios, but having a good editor frees the creators to do the important stuff, which is right. creating their content. Sure. Uh, and, you know, I'm not a one and done kind of shop. I'm actually interested in working with these people and helping them make the best content they can. So sure. there's all of that as well. But you've this, this, this whole thing about shooting for the edit, just give your editor the right tools, get the job done. And that that's just a communication that you can have with the creators. Right. Uh, but you know, it's the collaborative input that I can offer. I want to give them what they want. They have a vision of what they want to see, but you know, they might not have the kind of visual vocabulary that I have as an editor sure. to say, Hey, if you just tweak this, this little way, this would look so good. Here's an example of what I mean. Mm-hmm. And then suddenly they're like, Oh, we actually, now I do see what you mean. Do it that way. Right. Uh, or they're like, no, I hate you. Shut up and just do what I said. <laughs> <laughs> but either way, but you know, it, it, for me, it's it's the the idea that there could be a collaboration to make something bigger than either of us could have made on our own is is the exciting part of working with those folks. Sure. So why would someone outsource their video editing instead of just hiring someone to edit in house? Are you talking about outsourcing video editing to just anyone or Stiff Media? <laughs> Because <laughs> I mean, well, I would, for, hope, well, I would hope you. <laughs> yeah, me too, right? But I, I think it makes <laughs> a sense on a lot of different levels. On number one, just and I said this before, just because someone knows how to use Premiere Pro or DaVinci Resolve or Final Cut doesn't make them a good editor. Correct. And I think uh, people get hung up by by putting someone in front of a computer in front of an editing program and saying, "Here, we've got an editor." With Stiff Media, we are filled with very good editors, and I'm mm-hmm. at the top of that heap. Mm-hmm. I'm the person in charge of it all. So right. you've got award-winning editors working on your content, and that says a lot. But sure. beyond just the talent of the people who are cutting the scenes, 
you know, it just doesn't always make sense for studios or even individual producers to maintain an editing suite in house. You know, there's, there's software and technology and you don't want to pay someone to be sitting in front of a computer while a scene renders. Right. We do all the heavy lifting. Um, so producers can just worry about the content and that's kind of liberating on a lot of fronts, right? Yeah. I kind of liken it to what I do in brokering websites and also, you know, our marketing company. I've had companies tell me, oh yeah, we have a marketing guy or we have a marketing gal. Yeah. Okay. And if you dig deeper, you find out they just got out of college. Yep. They had a mar- They have a marketing degree. It's funny because I get that same thing with, oh, we already have an editor. Yeah. Right? The um, automatic response for any time you try to tell somebody about the service that you're offering is to say, you, you're not innovating because whatever you have, we already have it. Yeah. And I think that that's just a knee-jerk reaction that people sure. have to protect themselves so that they don't feel like they're missing something by not already having the thing that you're selling them, right? Yeah. Uh, and, you know, even for me, even if you have an in-house editor, like there's still plenty of ways that I can help. There's there's production consultation. There's all the mm-hmm. special effects and the color grading stuff that I do that most editors don't have any foggiest idea how to approach. Mm-hmm. Uh, most in-house editors, some do. There's lots of people out there that do a great job at that. But, you know, there's a good chance that there's lots that we can do anyways. And even if it's, you know, there's overflow, there's times when a single editor in-house can't handle the volume of work yeah. that's being produced. So exactly, you know, it, always, exactly. it always helps to have a backup plan and I'll, I'll take the backup role. I don't care. Yeah. yeah their money's green. Yeah. So let's he, say he says, he says looking at his, his Gavian award. <laughs> <laughs> so, I won an award. It's like, it's like the Oscars for gay porn. Nice. You won that? <laughs> yeah. Well, not really. I mean, it's a bit of a misnomer. Uh, one of the videos that I, I, I won a grabby a couple years ago for one of the videos I worked on. Uh, but, uh, one of the videos I worked on really closely, uh, Shishi the was the director and I worked really closely with the, the, uh, guys who were shooting it and Shishi yeah. to, we had to go in afterwards and mm-hmm. film extra stuff. And I felt really closely attached to it and it won best all sex feature That's great. Uh, just before the pandemic. And it's funny because I was at the gave at the AVN slash GVN show, uh, while all this was going on. And it was February of 2020, just before the pandemic. And we were all hearing about the pandemic and we're walking around going, ah, it's probably nothing. Uh, And then all of a sudden, (laughs) one of the guys, one of the camera guys on our team got sick and had to go home. And we're all like, "Uh, should we be getting Purell and wiping down everything? Yes. (laughs) Suddenly we're like, well, and who knew? Like we'd all be on lockdown for three years. Wipe down the world. Oh my God. So remember, remember, remember when that was going on and, and they, yeah. they convinced us that we just had to wash our hands and we'd be fine? Yeah, that was a really scary time. I mean, I remember being uh, in March in Tempe and I'm always down there or somewhere in Arizona. I don't remember March, exactly. was that the last Phoenix Forum or? No, that was the year after. The last Phoenix oh, Forum yeah. was 2019. So Those were good times. Yeah. Oh, God, I missed that show. So I think that's where you hated it while it was going met. on, right? What's that? It was, it was not enjoyable at all while it's going on. But now that it's not around anywhere, I'm like, yeah. oh, those are good times. Yeah. No, I always loved the show. I always had a great time at the show too. I yeah, and, and it was as far as the gay space, that was the show. Oh yeah. Back then, the gay side of the industry, we had we had some cachet. If we showed up at something, mm-hmm. it seemed like the rest of the industry paid attention that we were going there. And it's I don't true. know how that happened. 
Uh, but it was, you know, there was Morgan and I and a group of us that mm-hmm. became really close friends. Yeah. And sort of that friendship, I think, created the sense in the rest of the industry of importance whenever we showed up. Yeah. Because we always just stuck together. And it was, yeah. it, you know, it was a, it was the velvet mafia. But sure. it was very funny. Yeah. That's where that's where I no doubt met Morgan and Tim and, you oh, know, all God. the the core group in the in the gay space. And uh, yeah, you know, it's a. Uh, I miss those parties, man. I miss those. Those those are oh. some great times, some really great really times. Fun. And, you know, good business going on too. Yes. Yes. Uh, and it just felt like, it felt like the wild west in a lot of ways, but it wasn't, <laughs> this was, I, I, I can remember back to when these events were people like you and me talking to each other. Yeah. And then eventually at some point, people like you and me started sending our salespeople to talk mm-hmm. to people like you and me. Sure. <laughs> I was like, right. what am I, what am I talking to a salesperson for? Like what? Yeah. Is happening so exactly. it's funny the the industry changed in a heartbeat uh and the way that people did business changed in the heartbeat and then exactly man win ruined it all <laughs> yeah that definitely uh, was not a good thing so um oh so i was saying that uh it's march 2020 and i was down there oh, yeah. i was actually down there i used to go every year for baseball and then right after baseball would be the phoenix forum I spend yeah. a, a month down there watching my Giants. Well, that's right. The yeah. Um, yeah. the Grapefruit League, not the Grapefruit League, but no. spring training goes on down uh, there. Yeah, Cactus League. Cactus League. Yeah, Grapefruit, yeah, yeah. Grapefruit's Florida. I've never seen a grapefruit in Arizona. Probably never will. Well, oh, the supermarket. You know, supermarket. supermarket I think I got confused because one year the Blue Jays had to be in Arizona. Really? Something was going on in Florida. I forget what it was. But oh, so I, in I my brain, that. plus I'm an old lady, so I can't keep any facts straight. <laughs> You're so funny. I remember that uh, we're watching CNN when I used to watch CNN, and uh, when I watch used to watch any news, which I try to avoid these days. It depresses oh, me. Ever oh, since January sixth, uh, that's just infuriating. Twenty twenty one, it it just depresses me. So yeah, we hear San Francisco Bay Area has just been locked down, and I looked at my oh, wife nice. and I'm like, these exact words, we're fucking out of here. They um, had just stopped spring training. And I have a t-shirt, by the way, a Giants t-shirt that says, just getting started. <laughs> oh, really now? <laughs> love that shirt. I just love that shirt. And so that, at that point, spring training was over. So we had, uh, over the weekend, gone out to Grand Canyon and Sedona over a couple days and come back. Uh-huh. And it was a Tuesday. And on Friday, we flew to LA and we were on a, a JAL flight uh, from... LA to Tokyo to Bangkok. And we got uh, out of there. And yeah. uh, I'm amazed that we got a flight. But uh, anyway, it was uh, a really weird time, an extremely weird time. So back to the questions, sir. Let's say I'm looking, because you and I can BS all day. Let's say I'm looking <laughs> for an editor. <laughs> We're both good at it. What should I look for? So teach me to be the expert in hiring one. Oh, it's easy. Step one. Um, hire stiff media. Okay. Step two, there is no step two. <laughs> step two, repeat step one. <laughs> Wash, rinse, repeat. <laughs> but I mean, seriously, you know what? I would say look for an editor that's going to ask questions and mm-hmm. be interested in the story that you're trying to tell. Mm-hmm. And it's hard to think that there's stories in porn. Like, I don't mean like, you know, does somebody order a pizza? That's plot. <laughs> this is a mm-hmm. story. It's something right. very different. And right. the story could just be, you know, the the way that someone goes from fully clothed to glistening insertion. Like right. there's a craft to that. But a good editor is going to ask you questions. And any editor that quotes you a flat rate without knowing the job or what's involved 
yeah. has to cut corners. It's a fact of life. So if you've got someone run, saying, I'll do run, it. Don't run and hide, right? Well, yeah, or run and hide or run to your computer and go directly to stiffmedia.com and contact me. Yes. Do not <laughs> pass shameless go. self-promotion. Do not pass com. go. Do not collect $200. Yeah. I mean, listen, you got to have a relationship with your editor. Uh, and it's not always fun because they're always under the stress of not having the the con or the, the footage that they need in order to say what they feel they want to say. And mm-hmm. But, you know, your editor needs to understand what you want so they can give it to you quickly and effectively. Anyone who says, uh, offers you a flat rate, oh, a hundred bucks a scene, like just go on Fiverr then. Throw throw your footage in the air and wherever it lands, that's your edit because yeah. that's about what you're going to get. And and again, if all else fails, just hire stiff media. <laughs> where have I heard, where have I heard that before? God, it sounds familiar. Media. Sounds really familiar. So what's, <laughs> what's the number one thing you tell new clients before you're editing their content? Oh, that's a good question. Um, which is something someone I know says because when, I asked when it. they don't have an answer ready for the question. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but there's not, you know, it's not like one thing. Um, it's really, it's a conversation. So if I'm talking to a new client, my first job is always to understand what, where they're coming from, what they need. You know, I need to know what kind of cameras they shot on the frame rates, the picture profiles. Mm-hmm. Are they using second system audio? What are they, what is their output? Where, what's their intended audience? Is it going on the web? Is it going to DVD? Are they going to broadcast? Because uh, everything is a little bit different and how you're going to color grade it is different if it's going on TV versus the internet. Mm-hmm. So it, it's really, it's not about uh, the number one. Th- you know what? I guess the one thing I tell new clients is I can't quote you anything until I find out more about what you're doing. Yeah. Uh, and it's weird because some people appreciate that and other people just have no time for it. They're just mm-hmm. like, I just want to know what you're doing. Like here, I've got 500 previews I need you to do. Here's, <laughs> here's 30 DVDs. I need 500 previews from it. And I'm like, okay, I can do that, but I can't quote you until I know all this other stuff. Like yes. I want to give people the right, the right finished product. I don't want to just do the job and get the, the check. I've been in this industry way too long and you know, it's, it's not, I don't, I don't need to do this to pay my rent anymore. Mm-hmm. I'm doing this because it's, it's something that's enjoyable and right. I really feel that I can contribute to the process. So I really approach it from that point of view. And you know what? Asking questions is what any professional should do. You see an yeah. attorney, they, they ask you lots of questions about the case. We see a doctor, they ask you where it hurts. How long does it hurt? Okay. Right. So if you're a, in, in my case, a website broker, I ask to see financials. I ask for a history of the website. I ask why you're selling. In my marketing work, I'm asking people a whole bank of questions so I can actually see where they're at and where they're going. So if yeah. you're a professional, you should be asking questions, lots of questions. And if you don't, don't ask questions, then that person isn't a professional. That's yeah. my feeling. I mean, you want to get to the point with your customers, or I want to get to the point with my customers, where you know, I just know them well enough and I know what each individual is looking for that they can just send me their stuff and I can decipher what the plot is based on what I know about them. Mm -hmm. But that doesn't, that doesn't come, you know, out of thin air. Right. Like it takes, it takes a long time to build that relationship and build the trust and build Mm -hmm. the understanding. Uh, And, you know, that's, that's the constant process that you're always involved in with your customers, especially on the editing side of the business. Absolutely. Are, do you think plots are dead in adult videos? (laughs) <laughs> well, I, we touched Relaxed. on this. Earlier. I don't. I don't think. I, I mean, plots are boring, right? But story is everything. 
Mm-hmm. So plots are the, did somebody order a pizza or pot, plots are, <laughs> uh, or trying to sell a pot, but instead we we're in Florida and now we're having gangbang in the hotel room. <laughs> that is not story. That's just plot. Yes. And, but story can unfold in any situation. Story involves con- conflict and characters and change. And it's the thing that is really engaging. And I think um, the people that are really excelling right now understand that, whether it's a cocky boys or it's a disruptive films or, you know, a Noel Alejandro, the people that are really sort of standing out for the quality of their content all understand that that story is separate from plot. And mm-hmm. the context of what you're doing doesn't matter what you're doing and what the people on the screen are doing is the thing that's engaging the customers, mm-hmm. uh, engaging the viewers, right? So sure. I don't I don't think plot is dead, although I think it should be. <laughs> uh, kill it, but, kill it. But, you know, it, it, in my defense as well, a good edit can make or break any story. Uh, sure. So whether whether you have a story or, or a crappy plot, if you've got a crappy edit, it's going to look crappy no matter what. Crap equals crap. Well, there's that, right? <laughs> so as an editor, you see all the behind-the-scenes footage on every production. What's the most interesting thing you've ever seen when editing a video? Now, was there air quotes around the word interesting there, Bruce? <laughs> interesting. Really? I mean, there, I, there have been so many. And I, you know, I can't really, I can't talk about the funny stuff because that would be betraying the confidence of my customers. But there's all kinds of funny stuff. I think for me... You know, it's not one incident so much as it's just seeing the process behind the scenes, seeing what mm-hmm. Shishi LaRue is like when she's not directing, mm-hmm. when you catch the glimpses of her without being on as a character, seeing what the porn stars are like when they're not on, when they're not, you know, engaged in fornication, when mm-hmm. they're just hanging around, like seeing the real people setting up the scenes in the background, that process I find infinitely fascinating. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's a look, it's something that so few people get to ever see. So it feels right. almost perverted, but not in almost. a dirty way. <laughs> <laughs> so per- not perverted in a dirty way. It's perverted <laughs> in a, not in a dirty way. That's interesting. Yeah, good, so clean perversion. You understand. Uh, yeah. A little good, a little good, clean perversion. I like that. That's a, <laughs> Oh, Carl, I come up with a new vocabulary every time I talk to you. <laughs> That's what I'm here for. <laughs> you said you can't talk about the funny stuff because you'll violate confidence, but you don't have to identify who it is. Tell me one story. No, I can't. It's too, it's too harrowing. No, Something no, funny. No, no it, it, but, it, but I will tell you this much. Okay. You don't you don't even get your official badge of being a, a pornographer, especially a gay pornographer, uh-huh. until someone shits on your face. <laughs> this is okay. A hard and fast rule. Okay. Yes. <laughs> it's like someone's it. like, uh, oh, you shoot porn? Yeah. Did somebody shit on your face yet? No. Then you don't shoot porn. <laughs> That's all I'm uh, saying. <laughs> yeah, you know, I'm getting the visual and it's not a good one. <laughs> Yeah. I mean, you know, one of my funny taglines for this, uh, for this business is editing is more than taking out the farts and giggles, but it's most <laughs> definitely involves taking out the farts and giggles. <laughs> nice. So you have obviously a lot of experience in the gay space, maybe more than anybody. So do you anticipate most of your business coming from the gay market or from straight as well? Mm, you know, it's funny. Most of my business comes from the gay side of the industry. Sure. Uh, but I think that's just happenstance. Well, that's your, you know, that's I've, your I've, contacts. 
it's my contacts. It's, it's who I've known. And, you know, I've got a few clients that produce straight content and they're super happy with the job that mm-hmm. I do. But most of the stuff that comes through stiff media is gay. Yeah. Uh, would I personally rather look at dicks or pussy? Well, you know, I'd rather just watch TV and go to bed, to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> or or order a pizza. Someone's well, do, you, order do, you, do you anticipate more straight business coming? Uh, you know, I I honestly don't judge customers in that way. Like mm-hmm. any new customer that's coming to me that wants to get editing, we have that conversation. We figure out what people want. Sure. Most of the time, the straight customers um, that are coming through, it, it's weird, but they're the customers that have ready-made content that they want tube clips for, or they want mm-hmm. 30 second previews for, or they want me to chop up scenes and create other things for it. It's not like the same thing where we're creating a production, which is what most of the customers that are producing gay content do for me. And I think it's just all happenstance. I'm not mm-hmm. placing a judgment on the straight side of the industry, but it's weird. It's more of a, a, a fast and in and out. Oh, here we go. It's an in and out <laughs> on the, on the straight burgers. side of the industry. They're like, yeah, whatever. Tits, tits, click, click. Give me, give me previews, right? Tits, cock, pussy, goodbye. Tits, cock, pussy, goodbye. Did somebody order a pizza? (laughs) It's funny that whenever the pool guy's here, I say he's the world's most famous porn star. (laughs) Who's your pool? Who's your pool? Is Jeff Stryker cleaning pools now? What? (laughs) (laughs) You're so funny. You're so funny. By the way, you (laughs) mentioned a team. How many editors do you have working for you? There's three people that I bounce between, including myself. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I also have other people that I rely on for motion graphics. And mm-hmm. if there's a really tough color grading, I've got a, a, perf- a really great colorist. So mm-hmm. it's um, it's sort of a virtual company at this sure. point. Because uh, that's just, yeah, that's the way the world works now. But, mm-hmm. you know, it, it's, it fluctuates anywhere between three and half a dozen people, depending on the jobs that are, um, that are required. And I could expand that as much as necessary. But the important thing, if I'm going to talk about expanding, Everyone has to understand that I'm the final say on any edit on the, on any project that comes through our door. So if somebody does all the grunt work, I go through and do the finishing touches on it to make sure that it's exactly up to the quality. Control freak, huh? Yeah. But most of the time, (laughs) most of the time, to be honest, I'm doing most of it myself because I kind of like it. Yeah. So sure you do. I know. It's obvious. I can hear the passion. I can hear the passion for what you do. And I think anything you do. What's that? (laughs) That's my emphysema. (laughs) Oh, I'm sorry. Okay. I get confused. Well, Carl, it was a pleasure uh, having you back on Adult Site Broker Talk again. Always a pleasure. Uh, It's like like we're just having a phone conversation. It doesn't feel like we're actually doing a a real podcast. Except for all the mentions of stiffmedia.com. Yeah. Stiffmedia.com, stiffmedia.com. Anyway, I hope we'll get a chance <laughs> to do this again soon. My broker tip today is part two of what to do to make your site more valuable for when you decide to sell it later. Last week, we talked about converting traffic and improving user experience. Make a good offer. If you're selling something and the offer isn't good, you won't make money. It's plain and simple as that. And if your offer is to contact you, or to get more information, then make the offer attractive and easy to understand. If you're selling something, make buying easy. Show them an easy way to buy and then leave. Help them by making suggestions on what to buy. Amazon.com is the best at this. They always have suggestions on what to buy based on your buying and browsing history. They use AI to do this. There are AI engines available these days at a modest cost. 
Look into this if you can. Don't clutter up your site with unnecessary items, buttons, and images. Keep it as simple as possible. The best and most successful sites are the simple ones, the ones that lead you to take the action you'd like them to take. It's not that hard. Just remember, when you're putting together any site, try to think through the buying process like a human being. Whatever you do, don't turn over that process to your designer. Don't just say, build me a website. What you'll get out the other end will not give you what it is you're looking for. Give them as much direction as possible and make it easy for them to build a site for you that makes your business succeed. We'll talk about this subject more next week. And next week we'll be speaking with Steph Sia of Strip by Sia. And that's it for this week's Adult Site Broker Talk. I'd once again like to thank my guest, Carl Edwards of Stiff Media. Talk to you again next week on Adult Site Broker Talk. I'm Bruce Friedman.